Well, as you're probably aware, Christmas is tomorrow, so Merry Christmas, and there's zero shopping days left if you don't count today. And um, I hope that you're ready. If you got your shopping done and you figured out who you're going to give what or what you're going to give to whom. So I want to show you three of my best presents of this last year. There we go. One, two, and three, huh? Actually, actually, there's a little more than that if you want. Go ahead. Here, here's the, here's kind of the whole gang. So feel very blessed. Now, God gave himself to you. He arrived here as a baby. They named him Jesus. And he truly is the best gift ever. And in the Bible, Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. In fact, we're going to be looking in Matthew chapter 2. So if you want to turn there in your Bible, or if you need a Bible, just raise your hand, and Bill will bring some from the back, and uh, you, we can put one right in your hand where you can read it yourself. So if you need a Bible, just raise your hand, and uh, just wait. Somebody's bringing one right now, and uh, we'll get it to you. So the Christmas story, if you weren't looking for the whole Christmas story or wanted to read it later today or tomorrow as a family, you'd find it in Matthew chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 2, or in Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2. Those four chapters really capture the whole story, and this year we've been focusing primarily in Matthew, and, and so we're going to be in Matthew 2 today. But what will you do with the gift of Jesus? Because we know that when God was going to send Jesus into this world, he got so excited about giving the gift of Jesus to the world. First, he had angel Gabriel show up to this maiden named Mary who was living in Nazareth in obscurity and said to her, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. She didn't know what to do with that. They went on to say, you're going to have the, the, uh, bear the Christ child and uh, the Holy Spirit is uh, going to come upon you and the baby you're going to give birth to is the Son of God. And so she said, well, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel, God sent the angel to Joseph and uh, just to direct Joseph what to say and what to do so that he would know exactly what God wanted because he was engaged to Mary and it was rather a shock to find out that his um, bride-to-be was expecting was somebody else's baby. And so the angel had to give him guidance on that. And then in Luke chapter 2, uh, God prompts Caesar Augustus, uh, the ruler of the world really, to want to count everybody and to tax them and in their original hometowns. And so this ended up, the, this edict that he sent out caused Mary and Joseph to have to travel very late in Mary's pregnancy, about 50 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem. So this caused Jesus to be born in the city of Nazareth, uh, which is the city or city of Bethlehem, which is David's uh, King David's hometown, just like the prophets had predicted hundreds of years before that. And then God sent a, after the baby was born, God sent this whole host of angels just to announce the birth of the Savior to a bunch of shepherds out on a hillside near Bethlehem. And we don't think anything of that, but you know they were probably teenagers or younger. And nobody saw that one coming, that the angels would light up the sky with their praises to God, that God's gift wasn't just for the elite. It wasn't just for the rich and famous. It wasn't just for the important people. God's gift is for rich and poor alike. He came for everybody. He came to share the good news. And then he sent wise men from the east, magi or astrologers or, or, or foreigners. They're outsiders. Really what they're showing is that Jesus is the savior, not just of the Jewish people. He's the savior for the whole world. In fact, God guided the wise men with a star from the east all the way right to the political center of Israel, to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. 
right to wicked old King Herod, who had been king for 40 years and had had his own way, and he was mean and he was selfish, and God was giving him one last chance. It was probably in the last few months of his life, and uh, one last chance to, to respond and to worship God, and he missed it. Instead of responding with worship to the king of kings, um, which was the right response, he responded with hostility, and he tried to, in vain to kill uh, the baby Jesus under the guise of wanting to say, I want to go worship him. And then God used King Herod to alert uh, the, the Jewish high priests and scribes. These are people who had spent their lives invested in studying the scriptures. So when Herod asked and demands from them, where is the, the Christ child supposed to be born? <laughs> they knew the answer. Micah 5, chapter, verse 2. It says he's going to be born in Bethlehem, right where King David came from. And they knew the answer. <clears throat> but after the meeting... It's one of the biggest gaps in the whole uh, Bible. You know what they did? Nothing. Nothing. I mean, you go, wow, they've studied the scriptures their whole lives. The big deal of the Bible is that God loves people and he wants a relationship with them, but our own sin and our own stuff, our own gunk gets in the way, and so God reached out himself in the person of Jesus to offer us a Savior, and a Messiah, a Savior is predicted from the first chapter where sin shows up in the world, Genesis chapter 3. All the way through, virtually every book talks about a Savior is coming, a Messiah is going to be sent. He's been promised, he's been predicted it's going to be like this and like this and like this keeps getting more specific and now suddenly they're being it's being announced to them from a credible source that we know he's been born where would it be and they say in Bethlehem and the people who studied it for their whole lives do what nothing it's like it was all head knowledge you know it was only five miles away and they were indifferent I mean, it's just a baby after all, and I've stopped. How can I stop everything I'm doing that's so important and everything that I have on my calendar for today and my own agenda to just go see a baby just because he is the Christ child and he's one who's been promised for thousands of years that people have been looking for? I want to be in charge of my own life. In fact, John tells us he came to his own and his own did not receive him, but to those who did receive him who believed in his name. He gave them the right to become the children of God. God gave the very best gift ever. God gave Jesus as a gift. It's the Savior we so desperately need. So what will you do with the gift of Jesus? The wise men did the best. It says in Matthew chapter 2, and so let's start with verse 1. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose. We have come to worship him. Now, think about this. You know, this year some babies have been born. I, I have other pictures I could show you if you want to see them. But we, we, didn't, we adore the babies, but we didn't worship them. If it was a baby king, you would honor him. I mean, think, somewhere this year in our country might have been born a future president of the United States. If you could actually track down who that was and know in advance who it was, you wouldn't worship him. You, you, would, you would honor him or her, but you, but you wouldn't worship. You worship only God. And these... 
wise men are coming saying, where is the one that we should worship, the one who is the fulfillment of all of those scriptures in the Old Testament? And when King Herod heard this, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem was troubled with him. And so he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people, and he inquired of them, where's the Christ to be born? And they told him, well, in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it's written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will be shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. When you found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. And after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. This was not an ordinary star. Stars don't do that. They don't lead people places. They don't follow people around. People have wondered, is it an alignment of planets? Was it Halley's Comet? Um, you know, was it this? I think it's, God is just doing another miracle, and he's a specialist at that. And uh, he leads this star. He uses a star to bring them all the way to Jerusalem when they could have gone straight to Bethlehem. It's just five miles away. Instead, he intentionally routed them through Jerusalem to alert Herod and to bring it to the attention of the Jewish leaders just to see how they would respond. And now this star leads them right to the house where the child was. And then verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him and they opened their treasures. They offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. You know, the wise men really did the best thing. They searched till they found the Savior. If you have never found the Savior, then search until you find him. His name is Jesus, and he loves you. And when they found him, they fell down in worship before him, and they worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures, and they gave him gifts. In their case, they gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, last week, Pastor Eric was preaching on this passage, and he suggested that the wise men came for Jesus' baby shower. I thought that was pretty funny. And, uh, you know, they also gave funny gifts. I mean, do you give a gift of gold to a baby? No, you give gold to a king or to your college kid. Uh, do you give frankincense to a baby? No, frankincense was used as incense in the temple. It was uh, uh, used in worship of God. So this is saying we think this baby is, is God. And then myrrh, do you give myrrh to a baby? No, myrrh is an embalming oil that they would uh, wrap, put it around a body and then wrap it. When Jesus came off the cross, they brought 75 pounds of myrrh and aloes and put it next to his body and then wrapped uh, his, the, the shroud around him and all of that. So pretty funny gifts to give a baby. Now, if I had been Mary or Joseph, I would have thought, you know, we have been through the ringer. We've been through the wash. Our lives have been turned upside down. We got yanked from our home in Nazareth in a hurry to race to Bethlehem to, to pay taxes and to be registered, and there was nowhere to stay, and then labor started and uh, had a baby in a barn, and then we stick around to recover, so we take the baby to the temple at eight days old like you're supposed to do, and we're tired. We're exhausted, so we stuck around for a little while just to get our 
catch our breath. And then these strangers come from the east. They just show up. They didn't even phone ahead. Um, the house is a disaster, and there's not enough food to feed them. And they talk funny, and they dress funny, and they bow down, and they worship our baby. And then they bring these unusual, expensive gifts, over, way over-the-top kind of gifts. And then they're camped all over the front yard. I mean, we can't fit them in here. It's just a studio apartment. And, you know, it's all we could afford, Joseph being out of work and all. But in the morning, then they all got up and they all started talking about a dream. They all had the same dream to get away without talking to Herod. So, so they packed up quickly and they departed. Whew. Finally, the company's gone home and we can rest, really rest. <laughs> Except that wasn't God's idea. God knew that the baby Jesus was in danger. I mean, we're talking a real Christmas, a real danger, real people, real situation. It hasn't been doctored. It says, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, rise, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. See, God had promised that he would send a savior who would die and atone for the sin of the whole world. I guess if King Herod had been able to find the baby Jesus and put him to death, God would have fulfilled his promise, wouldn't he? He would have sent his son into the world who's a, a perfect, innocent infant, and Jesus could have died as a baby for the sin of the world because God promised and God always keeps his promises. But God's plan was a whole lot bigger than that. And there are lots of other prophecies that would have gone unfulfilled. And if you look at what Jesus accomplished, I want to give you five things. In fact, you have, if you have room there in your notes, you can write these things down just to think about. Here's what Jesus gave to you. The first is God's truth. He gave you God's word. But when Jesus would speak, every time he would speak, he was speaking the word of God. Jesus was the inspiration behind all the Bible writers. Old Testament and New Testament. And then in the, when he appeared and he would speak, he actually was speaking the word of God. And Jesus gave the truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Second thing besides God's truth, Jesus gave us God's forgiveness. He came to atone for the sin of the world, and that meant that he would die for you and for me and for everyone else who sinned. That's all of us. I mean, Jesus did this willingly. He laid down his life so that you could live. He gave you his life as a gift. So besides God's truth and God's forgiveness, God, he gave you God's spirit to live in you. In John 14, he said, I will ask the Father. He will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth that the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and he will be in you. So God gave himself. Jesus said, I'm going to depart and the Spirit is going to come and live in you and among you so that when you ask Jesus to be your Savior, when you ask God to forgive your sin, when you ask him to, he, he comes into your life. He guides your thoughts and your decision-making and your, your conversations and your interactions with others. He's constantly working on you and me from the inside to say, how do we clean you up and get this ready to be a, a house of God? So besides God's truth and God's forgiveness and God's spirit, God gave us his family, the church. 
It says in Ephesians 3 that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purposes that he's realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. God said, people are going to come to me. They're going to ask me to be their savior. I'm going to come alive in them. And then I'm going to gather them together like we're doing today. A group of people who all love Jesus and know him and have his spirit inside and are a local church, uh, the, 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 the visible expression of what it means to be the, the family of God in this world. And it's not just in one spot. It's all around the world. And it's not just this year. It's since Jesus came back from the dead until he returns again. And so we are the, the church of Jesus Christ in this place, and we team up with other believers around the world to tell the good news of Jesus. You see, that's the fifth thing. Besides God's truth and God's forgiveness and God's spirit and God's family, the church, they have God's plan. God's plan is to reach the world one person at a time with his hope, with his love, with his joy, with his peace. He wants people to know in fact, that's the last couple of verses of the book of Matthew. It says, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always. To the end of the age. What will you give to Jesus this Christmas? The wise men gave of their treasures and their genuine worship. Mary and Joseph gave their lives. They gave their obedience. They gave their 24-7 care of the little baby. I mean, look what Joseph did. Joseph shows up mostly in the book of Matthew. He's not very much in Luke. And he doesn't have any lines. If you were Joseph in the play, you wouldn't have a thing to say. But every time he's told something to do, he obeys Verse 14, he had just heard the angel say, get up and go. And verse 14, he arose and he took the child and his mother by night and he departed to Egypt and he remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. Joseph's woken up from a dead sleep in the middle of the night with a dream and told, go, go now. I mean, he responded with instant obedience. He didn't wait. Now, I presume that the wise men, I don't know this, but it's always in the Christmas uh, uh, puts, you know, in the crash, uh, that uh, when the wise men showed up with their three expensive gifts, they were all riding on camels. There was a caravan of camels, right? The Bible doesn't say anything about them, but, you know, they're in the picture. And, and, and then Joseph and Mary are always pictured with a donkey, even though the Bible doesn't say that either. So you don't know that part. But So here's Joseph getting up in the middle of the night. The wise men and, and all their camels have left, and he gets his older model donkey, and uh, where, you know, where do you put the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh along with the baby car seat and, and the baby stroller and the baby diaper bag and the baby rocker chair and the baby camera and the baby wipies and everything else that comes with the baby, those extra swaddling clothes you're going to need. And Joseph's leading his family out in a hurry, and their lives are in danger, and it's a tough time. And they wouldn't have chosen this for themselves, and, and yet they're, they're right in the center of God's will. Even though it's not really, they didn't want to be doing what they were doing, they were doing it because they had to. They were obeying God when he called on them. And when you are right where God wants you, you have peace. Even 
even if it's hard, even if you're, you wish it was something else. Just follow God. I mean, I'm guessing it wasn't an easy trip. From Bethlehem to Egypt is 690 kilometers, which is 428.746 miles for you Americans. I mean, probably on foot, carrying the baby and, and, and everything else, exposed to the darkness and the cold and the heat by day and the danger from thieves. And yet from Joseph, you never hear a word, never a complaint, just obedience. And Egypt wasn't exactly an easy place to live. God used Egypt in the Bible over and over and over as a place of testing to see how do you deal with hardship. In Genesis chapter 12 is when God first called Abraham and said, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And he took 25 years to give them the first baby. And in the process of that, Abraham and Sarah even spent some time in Egypt and were given a test. Will you tell the truth if you think your life's in danger? And they didn't. They failed. And later, God used wicked brothers of Joseph, uh, a guy in the Old Testament named Joseph. They basically were so envious of their little brother that they sold him into slavery, and he was taken to Egypt. And he, even there, Joseph worked hard, and he trusted God, and he did the right things. And for that, he was put in prison and probably languished in prison for over a decade. But ultimately, he was used by God to save the lives of hundreds of thousands of people because he trusted God, obeyed God, and listened to, to God's voice. God used famine to get the rest of the children of Israel to Egypt. They went there for the free lunch. They ended up staying for 400 years. It wasn't all their idea. They were taken into slavery while they were there. But it's the epic story of the Bible how God uses Moses to take people who are enslaved and bring them into freedom in the promised land. And then along comes Jesus. And Jesus is, is uh, taken to Egypt as a baby, along taken by his parents at the urgent promptings of an angel. And they're racing to Egypt in the middle of the night to live there among strangers for an indefinite period of time until God directs them otherwise. And the scriptures and even Christmas reminds us that for those who love God, things work together for good. Somehow God can take even the, the, the harshest things in our life and somehow can wring a blessing out of them. And even the hard times, even the sins of others, God's hands aren't tied. He will accomplish his goals. What was his goal here? He intentionally led the wise men through Jerusalem and alerted Herod and the scribes and the chief priests. And because of that, now Joseph and Mary and Jesus are on the run and his goal was to show that Jesus was and is the true son of God who would succeed where Abraham and Israel had failed, that Jesus really is God's gift to us at Christmas. He really is the King of kings and Lord of lords. So what will you do with this gift of Jesus? What are your choices? Well, you can be indifferent like the chief priests and the scribes in the story. For them, it was all head knowledge. God's good news never touched their hearts. Or you can respond with hostility like King Herod did in his, with his power and his position in his life. He's threatened by the news of the one who's born king, going to be king, whose birth is announced by the, a star and by angels in the sky. So Herod opposed him. I mean, he was willing 
to fly into the face of God to stop it from happening. So really, Herod is the biggest loser in this story. But there are people alive today who are indifferent, and then there's others who, who when they can, are actually oppose God. It didn't last for Herod. It won't last for people today, and they won't win in the end. Or you could give the gift of quiet obedience, like Joseph, that when he woke, he did what the angel told him to do. When he heard that God say to him, get up and go, he got up and went. And he submitted to God's plan for his life, even though it was, wasn't one he had chosen for himself. Or you could choose voluntary submission like Mary, who heard the news. It was a huge shock to her, changed her whole life, but she said, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Or you could respond like one of the wise men. Wise men still are searching for Jesus. And their joyful worship and their generosity, they searched till they found the Savior. They fell on their knees and they worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures and they gave to him. What will you give to Jesus? Because God gives you a real choice today. See, God didn't retouch the situation to make it look better than it was. God knows that real people need a real Savior. So God sent Jesus into this world for you. And the best gift you can give Jesus today is your own heart, is your own heart, yourself, to give him of your worship and your adoration, of the treasures of your life, to give him your obedience, to give him yourself, your life. And let Jesus fill you with his peace. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. We're going to sing that together in the Alleluia Chorus. Those of you who know how to sing, when I'm done praying, you come up and join in with the choir. And we are going to lift our voices to praise our Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for coming into this world as a baby, but for not staying that way. Thank you for being one who loved us so much that he was willing to lay down his own life so that we could live. Thank you that God worked out all the details that real people would treat you as a real person and that you would have real challenges, real difficulties, deal with all the things that we deal with, with things being too hot or too cold, too dangerous, with shortages, with crises, and yet you came as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And yet you are the King of kings and Lord of lords, and we lift you or your name high today. We celebrate you. Thank you for giving yourself to us. Help us to have the courage and the, the want to, to respond in kind ourselves, to give you all that we are and all that we have. Take our hearts, dear Jesus. We adore you. Amen.